0: But you can turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. As we continue our studies in this depressing book. Uh, we're going to look at verses 18 through 20 this evening. But I will read to chapter 6 verse 12 to set the context. It uh, really goes with even 5 eight, uh, verse 8 and following. I'm still talking about riches. And what that means and how we think of them. And how we think of the good things God has given to us under the sun. So... Uh, verses 18 through 20 is what we'll look at but i'll read to verse 12 of chapter 6 to set the context so ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 18 the joy of good things here's what i have seen it is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which god gives him for it is his heritage as for every man to whom god has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it To receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For He will not dwell unduly on the days of his life, because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is common among men. A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor, so that he lacks nothing for himself of all he desires. Yet God does not give him power to eat of it, but a foreigner consumes it. This is vanity, and it is an evil affliction. If a man begets a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with goodness, or indeed he has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better than he. For it comes in vanity and departs in darkness, and its, its name is covered with darkness. Though it has not seen the sun nor known anything, this has more rest than that man. Even if he lives a thousand years twice, that has not seen goodness. Do not all go to one place. All the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the soul is not satisfied. For what more has the wise man than the fool? What does the poor man have who knows how to walk before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desire. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Whatever one he is, he has been named already. For it is known that he is man, and he cannot contend with him who is mightier than he. Since there are many things that increase in vanity, how is man the better? For who knows what is good for man in life all the days of his vain life which he passes like a shadow who can tell a man what will happen after him under the sun amen let us pray our god we're again thankful that you are the creator of this world and you saw that it was all very good and we're thankful O oh god that even still the rain falls upon the just and the unjust that you have witness in your general revelation that you are god and that you give good things that you give good uh, rain from heaven, that you give fruitful seasons, uh, that you fill our hearts with food and gladness, and that you are pleased to do this even on uh, those who are not yours. And we praise you for this, O God. We praise you for your common goodness, even in this way. We know, O God, we even pray out to praise you more for your redemptive goodness, for all the mercies that we have in Christ and the forgiveness found in him. We pray, O God, that as a redeemed people, we'd have a right and sober understanding of the blessings that you give, even temporal blessings, that we would not go to extremes, but recognize, O God, moderation, recognize the importance of seeing your goodness in your hand. And we pray, O God, that you'd forgive us for our murmuring and grumbling and complaining. Help us to know how to have a right use of the possessions that you give to us that we might honor you and praise you for all the benefits you provide, even temporally, but maybe even more so praise you for the spiritual things you give. And so there are so many things for which we ought to praise you. We ask, oh God, you'd help us to have a right understanding of what your word says here. Give us illumination by your spirit as we continue to go through this difficult book. But thank you, oh God, it is your word and that you speak to us and comfort us with it. So be with us now by your spirit. Strengthen your saints, we pray. Save sinners, we pray. In all things, we pray that you be glorified in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, I've recognized in other pastors and in my own life as well, it's a struggle of any pastor, I guess, unless you're Joel Osteen, to feel guilty about having nice things. You see, perhaps sometimes we feel like we have to take the vow of poverty. We have to maybe not have more than the brethren around us. We kind of feel guilty when God gives us such kind blessings. We feel the tension of what we discussed last week, that is pursuing riches for the sake of pursuing riches, uh, but also uh, also, uh, uh, recognize that God does give good things in this world that can be used in a right way and ought to be used in a right way with thanksgiving. We ought to see the joy and rejoice in the good thing that God gives. That's the tension, isn't it? God provides, God gives. We're not supposed to pursue riches for the sake of pursuing them, but if God gives it, should we not praise him for it? Should we not enjoy it? Should we do it without feeling guilty of the blessing that he has provided for us? And that's something that perhaps a lot of people wrestle with, not just pastors, but it's something certainly that we see here in this book about tension, the book that teaches us in, about the inconsistencies of life in this fallen world, the enigmas that we have to deal with as we walk in this fallen, present, evil age. And even ask the question, what profit is there under the sun? What what profit has any man in his toil under the sun? Well, he's going to answer that question in one way for us in verses 18 through 20 this uh, this evening. So the section is really what about riches? Again, there's that tension between the the unsatisfactoriness of riches pursuing them for the sake of pursuing them. They shall fall away. There's a vanity, but God also gives it. It is a gift that God provides, and also the right use of it is a gift that God provides as well, riches do not satisfy, but nice things can be enjoyed by God's people in this world. I think the problem here is when God's people don't receive those good things with thanksgiving. When God's people don't recognize the benefits and the blessings that God has provided. And perhaps that manifests itself in murmuring and grumbling and complaining but sometimes it can manifest itself in other ways as well, not using it rightly, not recognizing the benefits of it, perhaps sometimes staying away too much. But we'll talk about that more as we go through. The point is, if God does give good things, spiritual and temporal, should we not be, should we not be thankful and not feel guilty when we enjoy those things in a right way? The right use of temporal things is a gift that only Christians can understand, or at least should Understand. We have the great joy in the gifts that God gives or ought to, because in reality, everything that God gives us is a gift, isn't it? Everything that we have in this world is a gift that God has provided, and God's people ought to really be the most joyful in this world if He's provided such wonderful things. And so, in verse 18 to 20, the preacher reminds us that God gives good things, but also that He gives the ability to receive those good things. He gives blessings, but also the ability. receive those blessings from him and so we'll look at this idea under two headings this evening first of all we'll see um how fitting joy is verse 18 and secondly we will see how good uh how god gives joy in verses 19 and 20 so how fitting joy is verse 18 and secondly how god gives joy in verses 19 and 20 so how fitting joy is verse 18 let's dive in In verse 18, again, the context is money and possessions. And in verse 18, he talks about the good gifts that God gives. And last time we saw how evil, the evils of riches, how it brings oppression, how people are unsatisfied by it, more money, more problems, how it simply brings pain. He's already talked about this already in chapter 2 and chapter 3, the vanity of pleasure. He pursues it. Is that the meaning of life? And he saw that it was vanity and striving after wind. But he still does say in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 that nothing is better for a man than he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy the good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. That is, there is a benefit. God gives it. So why ought man not to enjoy those benefits that he gives? Certainly there's still death. Certainly is still sadness. But if God gives good things, should we not praise him and, pray, uh, and receive those things in a blessed way not to be used with wisdom and so he comes again to a positive aspect in verse 18 last week was a little bit of a downer 18 through 20 should be hopefully a little more uplifting for us verse 18 here is what i have seen continues his observation continue his recognition of what he sees under the sun and like what he saw with the evils of riches when he said in verse 13 this is a severe evil which i have seen under the sun Riches kept for their owner to his hurt in verse 13. So he's still putting things side by side. There's still tension here, but perhaps in a lot of ways in this in this spot here, he's really perhaps putting side by side two different forms, ways of life, when it comes to riches. There's two different ways that can be pursued. Verses 18 through 20 is the life that should be pursued. A life of thanksgiving, a life of recognition of where it comes from, chapter 5, verses 8 through 17 is not the life one ought to pursue. Riches for the sake of riches uh, versus recognizing what God gives hard work, hard labor. And if God gives you good things because of that hard labor, we ought to praise God for those things. Because he says, it is good and fitting for one to eat and drink, it is a blessing. It is fitting. And we've already seen that language of fitting. It's the language of beautiful, which is what we saw in chapter three, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. As we looked at God as that potentate of time, as we looked at God when when we talked about the the tyranny of time, it says even there in chapter three, verse 12, I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. This is a gift from God. God provides it, God gives it, and it is fitting. If God gives you blessings, it is fitting. God gives you good things, it is beautiful. If God gives you wonderful things, we ought to praise him. And this includes eating and drinking and enjoying the good of one's labor in this world. I feel like Ecclesiastes gives us a good balance in life, doesn't it? a good recognition of the importance of moderation, the importance of certainly there are perhaps times to abstain from certain things, but also there's a time to enjoy good things. I'm talking about things that are not sinful in and of themselves that can be sinful. And if that one struggles with sins in those areas, they perhaps ought to abstain from those things, but perhaps a better way of perhaps if you struggle with that, maybe recognize that there is a benefit that God gives again i'm not against people refraining from something because it causes them to sin but there's a good balance in here against teetotaling in ecclesiastes chapter five and really the entire book of ecclesiastes a good balance against fundamentalism that we see here in ecclesiastes chapter five let's be honest we all have a little bit of fundy in us don't we what i mean by that is we all have our preferences and it's important to recognize that they are preferences i'll give you an example. I hate pineapple. I don't know why anyone would put pineapple on pizza. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's awful. I think it's terrible. Why would you put pineapple anywhere? So brethren, that's a preference. I cannot come up into this pulpit and say you can't ever have pineapple, right? I know there's other things to talk about it but I thought I'd use a silly one in that way. But we have preferences and the mature Christian must recognize it's just that. It is a preference. And that's perfectly okay. We shouldn't be sour all the time if somebody has something good. We shouldn't be sour if someone has a different preference than you and I. We should be thanking the Lord for those things. And so we ought to be, you know, again, balance in life. And we'll talk about this a lot. I like to hit it hard usually when we talk about preferences because sometimes we like to impose our preferences on others and we ought not to do such things because it is good and fitting for one to eat and drink. God has given reward. God has given good things to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his heritage. Notice too, eating and drinking go together with hard labor, with hard work. Isn't there a satisfaction after a hard day's work coming home and putting your feet up and maybe having a nice meal. Isn't there some satisfaction with that very thing? That is a gift from God that he gives. God has given you the labor, God has given you work, work hard with that. But also if God gives you the fruit of that, there is, it's okay to enjoy such wonderful things. It is the gift of God, Ecclesiastes 3.13. He gives the labor, he gives the fruit of labor, and so we ought to enjoy all the fruit of the labor as we toil under the sun. We don't have to have this drudgery as we walk this world. We don't have to have sadness and sorrow all the time as we walk this world. I'm not saying there aren't times of sadness and sorrow, but we ought to be a joyful people um, many, in many ways, dear brethren. I'm not saying it doesn't take away sadness, not saying it doesn't take away our battles with sin, not saying it doesn't take away strife, but On the other side, again, that's that tension, isn't it? Strife and joy, sadness and sorrow, but they're happy times as well. Again, it's a very good balance in this entire book. It is a gift to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life. And even the language there highlights, it's gonna be short, (laughs) short days. As you count the days of your life. And some people might have longer days. Some people might have shorter days. So what's the blessing and the benefit? Enjoy it. Enjoy the blessings. Enjoy the good things of what he gives. What profit is there? Even though there's still toil. Well, eating and drinking, enjoying those good things. So what's interesting is believers and unbelievers in general revelation, in God's common grace, receive good temporal blessings don't they you see we don't deserve anything from god we don't we don't even deserve the food on our table from god right and god is pleased to do that in acts chapter 17 as paul is speaking at the areopagus and showing them and pointing them to the lord jesus christ he says when it comes to god for in him speaking in a general way we live and move and have our being that is everybody who has breath everyone who walks this world outside and is Walking at the playground and sits in here, it is because of God. Our days are fixed in His according to His plans. And if that is so, there are times we ought to enjoy the good things because God gives it. He gives benefits, temporal benefits, really that leaves man without excuse before him, right? Nobody can say on that final day that God did not do good things for them. Nobody can say on that final day that God, there were not common notions as the Puritans speak of that are seen the sense of the divine, the law written on one's heart, the creation of the world and uh, the who God is, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and Godhead are clearly seen in this world. Romans chapter one, acts 14. He says, as he's speaking to pagans and Gentiles, he says, God has not left himself without witness in that he did good. He gave rain from the heavens and fruitful seasons and filled our hearts, your hearts, with food and gladness. But Romans one goes on to say, they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. General revelation does not save. That's why we need to bring people to special revelation. You're a wretch, here's Christ. But the world around us, God has made the world. Yes, it's fallen. Yes, there's sinfulness. Yes, but God made it in the space of six days. And called it very good. And if we, the redeemed people, who believe in the creator, should we not worship and praise him and glorify him and receive the benefits that he gives to us? It's a gift that God even gives us life, all the days of his life. So it's probably okay to seize the day just a little bit. God gives us a portion. He says that, all the days of his life which God gives him, for it is his heritage. The language there is portion. God gives to everyone a portion. And that word is used in the book of Joshua to describe the dividing of the land, describe the divvying up for the various tribes. They each had their own portion, a portion that they appreciated, a portion that they loved. Again, Naboth's vineyard, we saw that last time with kings trying to oppress and or you know selfish gain but it was his land and he did not want to give it up for god had given it to him and so we all have our portion in this world it is our heritage that god gives to us and so that's why sometimes at the end of a long day it's okay to enjoy a good hearty meal if somebody if you want to enjoy pineapple that's fine too but i'm not but if you don't that's also cool but if you want to have meat that's fine you don't want to eat meat. Again, I don't know why anybody doesn't want meat. If you're vegan or vegetarian, that's fine too. But again, my preference, what I think, that's perfectly fine. So if you want to have salad, go ahead. But I have salad too, by the way, but I enjoy some meat with that salad. So it's perfectly fine. And maybe it's okay to enjoy some dessert too. I mean, I know not, again, in moderation, not too much, not a whole cake, but at least some things that's perfectly okay to do. And fathers on Father's Day, I don't have not say anything about fathers. And I'm sorry, mothers, when we did the mothers, it was Mother's Day. It was about how we're all going to die. But Father's Day, it's all, hey, you get to enjoy, go playing golf. So that's fine. So, uh, yeah, but mothers can enjoy their things as well. The point is, God gives us good things that can be enjoyed in moderation. That is the sign of a mature Christian, enjoying things in moderation. I know there might be times where we have to cut things off. There might be times we have to say no and run as far away as possible from it, but recognize that other people may not struggle with that very thing. And that's perfectly okay. And we'll talk about that more in just a bit. But enjoying things in moderation is actually the sign of a mature Christian, not one who teetotals and thinks everybody needs to not do anything in life. But that's okay. But the point is, God gives us good things in this world. And again, it's all rooted in the doctrine of creation. That was emphasized in Ecclesiastes 2. God made this world, called it good. He gives good things, especially to his chosen people. 1 Timothy 4 highlights that. 1 Timothy 4 highlights that very thing for us. We can enjoy those good things that he gives. If God gives you good work, work hard, but also recognize the reward of that labor as well. What's interesting too in verse 18, it's not necessarily talking there about riches, is it? Eat, drink, enjoy the good of one's labor. That is, someone may not have a lot of money, but you can still recognize the benefits and the gift that God gives. Isn't it interesting that in the Lord's Prayer, he says daily bread? He's not talking about daily meat, he says daily bread. That is, we have to be content with the daily bread that he gives us. And if he gives us that daily bread at the end of the day, day, we should praise him for that daily bread. So it's not just a minority group of wealthy. We all must recognize what God has given. Even poor people can murmur and grumble and complain that they're not rich, right? What they don't have, what they don't possess, what they don't, you know, have near to them. We can all struggle with those certain things. And let's be honest, by world standards, everybody in North America is very wealthy. If you have like $2 extra on the table, we're actually very wealthy by world standards, maybe. I know it's too, It's cheaper, by the way, this week from last week with the gas. I know gas is still a lot of money, but we are still considered very wealthy. Because the lesson is it's not how much you have, but the proper and right use of what you have and this is only something a christian can pursue the reason is it is a gift of god so that's how fitting joy is let's then look secondly at about how god gives joy verses 19 and 20 notice the power that god gives verse 19 as for every man to whom god has given riches and wealth so he seems to transition here to talk about riches and wealth it's not a sin for a christian to be rich and wealthy The love of money is the root of all evil. But notice, and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage, and to rejoice. The problem is the rich, like we see in verse 8 through 17, don't realize that it comes from God. That's a problem of sin in this world, does not give God the glory for all that he gives to the world. But right use is a positive thing. He says this in Proverbs chapter 3. Verse nine, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. A recognize again, right use. Ecclesiastes 2, wisdom was mentioned there. So he gives the riches and wealth, but also he gives the right use of it. Given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and to rejoice in all his labor. This is the gift of God. This will continue into Ecclesiastes chapter 6, as we see the one who cannot and does not have the right use of the riches that God gives in this world. God is able to give one the power to eat of it, to be able to enjoy it. And the language there of power is the language of master over, the language of domineer, the language of one who is over and above that very thing. And what's interesting, perhaps we could use the New Testament lingo of we were once slaves to sin we are no longer slaves to sin dear brethren but we are slaves to righteousness are we not and if we are no longer slaves to sin can we not make right use of good things even the things that were once bad gods for us can we not make them good things that god has given and recognize where they came from can we not pursue it in those types of ways we've got to receive his portion Notice. And rejoice in his labor. Perhaps that's the key difference between three and uh, Ecclesiastes two and three, and Ecclesiastes five. Here he's drawing out the joyful aspect, the fact that we should smile and be thankful about the food on our table. Smile and be thankful about the day's labor that we have. Smile and be thankful about all those things. I know there's still hardship and sadness in the world. He knows that too. But again, that's the tension. And the thing we're focusing on here today is the joy that God gives to rejoice and to praise and to be happy and find blessing in all his benefits that he provides. He gives toil, he gives joy, he gives all these things to receive it, his heritage, his portion, again, what he gives, rejoice in the labor, all of those things. It is a blessed benefit. Then he goes on to say in verse 20. Busyness and busyness in joy. For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. That is, don't brood about the sadness of your day. Recognize the blessings God gives. We really, in a lot of ways, ought to count our blessings one by one, shouldn't we? Now, I was thinking about this. I've been doing my own observation. So maybe I should write a book. But one thing I've noticed in my own life, and perhaps it is true in yours as well, when I'm in the middle of something, in a certain moment, I'm very negative. I grumble, I whine, I complain. America's too California's way too hot. Americans are too loud, they bug me. All those types of things. And I did think that when I came to California when I was there. And then afterward, after a couple years passed, you look back a little more fondly, don't you? You start to remember the good things. You know, it was kind of nice being in that warm weather in the middle of January. You know, it wasn't so bad. I did have a great education. You start to think, and even I've been reminded of these things with children. I forgot about the fact that they cry at night, you know, and they scream and they, all those types of things. You know, like, oh, but they're so cute and they're wonderful. I just remember those things. And then we're back in the thick of it again, which I'm very thankful for, by the way. But maybe we just shouldn't murmur when in the moment. The point is, We should look back, you know, it's good to look back and recognize all that God has done, and record that we do not brood on the bad things in the moment. When we we think of things later on, we memorize the good things. So in the moment, as we've had our daily bread, as we've had the good things, we shouldn't sit there and brood and stew and be grumpy. Because God has given us the joys of our hearts. And that's in contrast with the one who does not and cannot eat. And have the power to eat that God gives. Uh, that God gives all his days. Verse seventeen. He also eats in darkness. He is much sorrow and sickness and anger. But verse twenty, he, the one whom God gives the power to enjoy, will not dwell unduly on the days of his life. His God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. Busy with the joy of his heart. And brethren, only Christians can rightly recognize the created gifts that God has given. Not saying we don't abuse it. There's still remaining corruption. But God has revealed in his word the blessings of creation. Has he not? 1 Timothy chapter 4. What was one of the problems with the heretics that were there? Abstain from marriage. Don't eat meat. And what does Paul say? If you praise God and thank him for it, you can eat meat and enjoy it. They were saying, don't drink, don't touch. I mean, that's Colossians, but don't touch, don't taste, don't handle. That certainly is what's going on in Ephesus as well. Notice the same heresies and the same problems always come about people who need to regulate everybody else's life on little things by eating meat. And it happens still for our day as well. But for them, Paul says, if you thank God for it and sanctify it, which I think is talking about praying at your meal, for the blessings he gives, thanking him for the daily bread, you can then dive in and enjoy what he has given. Bridges says, Solomon only insists that the true servant of God is really the happiest of men. That God giveth him richly all things to enjoy. Rather, we really should be the most joyful people ever. We've been saved and redeemed. We also understand that God is the creator who gives good things. Maybe if we recognize that, we wouldn't be so grumpy all the time. What's that? That's a shocker, Canadians being grumpy, but we can be very grumpy all the time, can we not? And what we're teaching here is not indulgence. We're not teaching that. We're not teaching licentiousness and just, again, you can have a piece of cake, not the whole cake. But the reality is, You know, we still, people can still struggle with indulgence and I'm not trying to belittle those struggles that one might have, but can we not enjoy things too? I'm not saying we need to be bubbly all the time and, you know, smiley all the time and say to everybody, just turn that frown upside down, sunshine, but maybe we shouldn't be so sour either, right? Again, there's a balance. Both people are annoying. I'm sorry to say that both people on either extreme are very annoying you all you all think it i'm just saying what you all think right the one who is an Eeyore all the time oh dear it's you know it's it's cloudy but there's a bit of sun coming out okay okay is there anything good in your life like anything happening you kind of want to just shake them by the thing there's nothing pleasant but then there's people on the other side who are just like everything's wonderful really you don't struggle with anything in this world Both sides, again, please, let's have some balance. Mourning with those who mourn and rejoicing with those who rejoice. And that is such a hard thing to do in this world. And he's saying here, in the midst of this toiling world, in the midst of this world where there's enigmas and vanities and trials and struggles and oppression, have cake. Enjoy some food. Praise God for all those things. See, brethren, there's the, as Pastor Butler says, the ABCs of spiritual health. Read your Bible, pray every day, be at church, right? And you even can even see the metaphor there with food and nourishment. I mean, church, morning and evening are your main meals, right? And then the rest of the week as you read your Bible, it's to tie you over until we come again on the Lord's day. So we need that. But brethren, because we believe in the doctrine of creation, there's the ABCs of physical health. diet. Exercise, good sleep. I think sometimes we have this dualism in Christianity that way. We just recognize bodily exercise profits a little bit. First Timothy 4. Certainly, you know, godliness profits more, but bodily exercise profits but a little. And so perhaps, you know, again, there's sin and struggle. I get all that. But maybe we just, again, just need to enjoy a little bit in this world. And that's perfectly okay because as christian as paul says in romans 14 this is where christian liberty is so important god alone is the is the lord of the conscience and we cannot make our preferences his law and the blessing is that christ alone again, tells us what we have and how we ought to live. Romans 14 and 15 talks about the law of liberty. And in this context, again, it's with meat. And so he says, verse three, let, not again, Verse, sorry, let's do verse two. For one who believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Notice who the weak person is. Verse three. Let not, who am, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. That is, if someone wants to enjoy something that is not sinful in and of itself, that you might think is, let him do it. Do not judge him. But if the uh, but also the, the the one who is okay to enjoy those certain things must not despise. You see the two way street going on. I'm not saying we don't consider our weaker brother who struggles in those areas. I'm not saying we don't say that or think that. You just keep your liberties close to the chest. And if someone's coming around that might struggle with something, you just perhaps just don't bring that up when they're around or serve certain things that would cause them you know, uh, to stumble, Romans 15:1. But if you're alone, nobody's around, do it, enjoy it, and thank God for it, right? blessing. Benefit, reception, good things. And we must have a discerning recognition of what is God's law and what is my preference. And making sure my preference is not God's law. Because we ought to rejoice in what God gives, right? We ought to rejoice in what he provides. We ought to rejoice in those benefits. Bridges says, It is most important to set out Christian liberty while we inculcate Christian mortification. And that's the balance, isn't it? I'm not saying we don't die to sin day by day, but we must have a balance. A person must abstain from something if it is a bad God, but they must understand. Others may not struggle with that and look at them sideways if they are okay to enjoy something in moderation. He goes on to say, we must be careful not to give unworthy views of the real happiness to be found in the world. That's true. Riches do not save and provide eternal satisfaction. But not primary indeed, yet valuable, though subordinate. Let there be no cloud upon the glory of divine beneficence. Let godliness through a sunbeam upon all temporal enjoyments. Let us carefully adjust the balance. God gives us power to receive and enjoy those good things. And we ought to praise him for those blessed things. We ought to ask him for the ability to receive those good things that he gives. And not to have extremes in this world. We ought to see that with the temporal blessings. Again, don't make a good God or bad God. uh, Don't make something a bad God. And if it caused you to sin, abstain from that very thing. But maybe might help you in your battle with that sin is to recognize the moderation aspect of it. Not just doing away with it completely, and maybe you have to do away with it completely for a while, but then you can say, God, help me to have a right use of it in the right sphere, in the right timing with moderation, that we might find the joy in the fruit of our labor, that we might enjoy the food that we eat, that we might. Enjoy the things that we can buy in moderation. Again, not breaking the bank, not going above and beyond what we have, but God's provided and we could want to buy something nice. That's fine. And enjoy that. And you ought to praise God for that enjoyment that you give. You will have no sideways look from me if God gives you something good and God provides you with something and you wish to enjoy that very thing that he Gives. Maybe not. Maybe maybe not often. Maybe sometimes I'll give a sideways look, but not all the time. But Kidner says it's a readiness to take what is heaven sent. And I think it again starts with that robust understanding of creation. Creation sometimes we just put in the realm of apologetics. We need to bring it back into the realm of theology, don't we? Creator creature distinction. God gives benefits. God gives blessings. God has given and revealed Himself in this world. Praise him for that very thing that he gives. Now, certainly, temporal blessings, while they are temporal, they do not eternally satisfy. That's why, especially for God's people, we have spiritual blessings. That if we were to lose all the temporal, we still have the spiritual ones, don't we? We find joy in God, find joy in his finished work of Christ, and joy in the eternal blessings. That's why in Ephesians 1, he praises God for the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, does he not? That's why as we sing that kid's song, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Because I'm so happy. Now you want to slap me. But it's true. And what's interesting is in the Bible, in many places, in the New Testament especially, does he not talk about joy that we ought to have? What does Mary do when she hears about what God is going to do through her from her cousin in the Magnificat? She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maid servant. Joy, 1 Peter chapter 1, 8. As he speaks about the in- eternal blessings, the the inheritance that is unfading, undefiled in the heavenly places, he says in one eight, whom having not seen you love, though you uh, though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, Revelation nineteen. See, seeing the exaltation of god's people and god over against the world over against babylon 19 7 he says let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready and basically the and then even the entire book of philippians right rejoicing in suffering rejoicing in christ he says so often brethren rejoice in the lord Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Finally, brother, uh, uh, now, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last. Paul's in chains. Paul is in prison and he is praising God. So if we lose our temporal blessings for which we ought to praise God for, should we not still praise him for all the spiritual blessings that we have in the heavenly places? Still, should we still not recognize that everything we have is a gift from him, even the fact that we still have breath? Is that still not something he provides? But even more so, he gives us more than that. He gives us eternal blessings in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's interesting is in Philippians 4.10, that's where he talks about 10 and following. He talks about how he is abased or learn how to be abased and learn how to be content. He learned to abound in all things and learn how to be full. He learned how to hunger. He learned how to suffer need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He can hunger and abound in all things because Christ strengthens him in all of those things. And remember the Westminster Catechism, question answer one, what is man's chief aim, brethren, to glorify God and enjoy him forever? not saying there aren't times where we're grouchy. I'm not saying there aren't times where we're downtrodden and heavy laden. But brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice always in what he has done for us in whatever circumstance we find ourselves, even in the worst forms of evil that we might endure. And I'll close with this letter from a lady named Eddie. This comes from one of the commentators that thought it was very good. Eddie was put into a concentration camp under Nazi Germany in Holland. She was in Westerbork concentration camp. This is August 18th, uh, 1943. She says, you have made me so rich. She's in a concentration camp. You have made me so rich, oh God. Please let me share out your beauty with open hands. My life has become an uninterrupted dialogue with you, oh God, a great dialogue. Sometimes when I stand in some corner of the camp, my feet planted on your earth, my eyes raised toward your heaven, Tears sometimes run down my face, tears of deep emotion and gratitude. At night too, when I lie in my bed and rest in you, O God, tears of gratitude run down my face, and that is my prayer. I've been terribly tired for several days, but that too will pass. Things come and go in a deeper rhythm, and people must be taught to listen. It is the most important thing we have in this life. I always end up with this one single word, God. The beat of my heart has grown deeper, more active, and yet more peaceful. And it is if I were all the times storing up inner riches. She was killed and she died November 30th, 1943. Brethren, we have life and we have it abundantly in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether we're in a concentration camp, whether we have wonderful, nice homes. We have abundant life in Christ. And it's not because of the wealth per se that we have, although we ought to praise him for that. It is because of the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And I'll close with Psalm 1611, certainly talking about Christ and how he has been resurrected from the dead. But as we are in him, this is what awaits us. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Though everything be removed dear brethren, you have life and have it abundantly in Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we are so forgetful of all the benefits that you give. We go through every day and we do not count our blessings as we ought to, as we consider the food on our tables and the clothing on our backs as we consider the relationships that we do have as we consider the fact that you guide us even when relationships do crumble you are with us every step of the way and even more so oh god you have given us the spiritual blessings in christ in the heavenly places that we are justified that we are sanctified that we are adopted this is all because of your goodness towards us you have given us an inheritance that is unfading undefiled in the heavenly places and that we do have life and have it abundantly in our Christ. Please forgive us, O God, for all our forgetfulness. Please forgive us for not remembering. Please forgive us for not receiving of those good things. Please forgive us for taking good things and making them bad gods. And we pray, O God, that we would have a right use, a sober understanding, a recognition of those blessings that you give, but also a consideration for others. May uh, we who are weak uh, not judge those who are strong, May those who are strong not, not despise those who are weak. May we consider one another. We pray, O oh God, that we would come to a right and mature understanding uh, of those blessings that you do give. And please forgive us for causing strife over these things. Please forgive us for not considering others over these things, O oh God. Uh, but we pray, O oh God, there would be harmony and love uh, in your church uh, toward one another, even if we had differing preferences. And we pray, oh God, that we'd have a, precise understanding of what is a preference and what is actually your law. Give us strength. Give us discernment in this, O God. We need your grace to help us with this, uh, even as we are mu- still have much remaining corruption. So we pray, O God, that you'd help us to praise you and honor you as the creator and praise you and honor you as the redeemer who has given us uh, so many blessed things, even pleasures that await us at your right hand. So be with us now by your spirit. Help us to be thankful and praising and honoring you and help us to enjoy you and rejoice in all your benefits. Be with us now by your spirit, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen.